0: We're back. Yes! Welcome to the 2019 season from Swim.Rocks. Okay, I'll put my slightly more sensible voice on now. Um, Welcome to Swim.Rocks. This is the podcast that shares ideas, information and inspiration between swimming people to stay dry. Oh dear, that's, that's no way to start the new year. Welcome back. As you've noticed, we took a bit of a break over Christmas and New Year and trust that you were able to do the same. Got a really exciting episode for you today. We're talking to the president of a swim club that's 113 years old. Yes, you heard that correct. That's 113. Um, And although there's a lot of history in this, the particularly interesting point for me is how they've overcome some particularly challenging relationship issues with their local council and local facility owner. And I know a lot of us don't um, have direct control over the water that we swim in, so I think there's some lessons in that for all of us. But hey, before we get into that, I just wanted to thank you for all of your support. Um, We're now on to episode 29, which is just just amazing. Um, Since we launched in April at Nationals at Sydney Olympic Park Aquatic Centre we've been downloaded over five and a half thousand times And our most popular episodes are clocking in over 400 unique downloads individually and for a uh, niche uh, podcast like this I think that's uh, that's absolutely amazing. Also wanted to thank you for all of your feedback. Um, What I've discovered to be honest, is you don't like writing to me. Um, A lot of people, when they see me around pools or roundabout, will have a word and say what they're enjoying and say what they're not enjoying and give me some good feedback. And to be honest, the uh, the developmental feedback is good uh, and really helpful because it allows me to change a few things and also line up a few different guests. But uh, do please free, feel free to email me as well. The email address is very easy to remember. It's ben at swim.rocks, ben at swim.rocks, because uh, my name is Ben Ramston and I'm the host of this podcast. So I've been busy lining up a whole bunch of interesting episodes over the next few weeks, but we're going to kick off with Matt Patterson, who is president of Manly Swim Club in New South Wales. Now, Manly, I think, is uh, pretty well known around the world for being a sort of major uh, seaside town. Um, it's also got a wonderful and rich swimming history, as we'll hear. Um, but the particular reason I wanted to talk to him was not just about Manly's history, but they got themselves in a bit of an issue with their local council recently. Um, and uh, they've been able to work through that and come out the other side of that in a really much better place. So I'd really like to share the story to um, to see how that may help others of us in the swimming community. Now, Matt is currently the president, as I say, and I started off hearing from him about his history with Manly.
1: It was from a young age, and I first joined Manly Swimming Club back in 1984. Um, and, there was a sort of a 10 year hiatus there from, uh, you know, when I started work and to when I sort of had kids and then, you know, went back down there. So I've been swimming pretty much all my life. Um, you know, cause my, my parents basically chucked me in the water and I was a terrible, a terrible child. And I have vivid memories of of running away and locking myself in the car. So I didn't go swimming. Um, so, but once they got, they got me going, um, I sort of didn't stop and it's sort of something that I've loved and I think now as an adult and as a parent, I see it really important to put back in to swimming what I got out of it.
0: It's fantastic. And you're president of Manly Swim Club currently. Uh, how, how did you end up in that position?
1: Uh, well, I've been vice president, I think, for probably the last six or seven years um, and been doing that and pretty much... Um, our constitution has that we must rotate our presidents every, every three years. So uh, the, the, for our previous president, Chris Hatch, he's just done his, his three years and um, I thought, well, I'll take over now because it's actually also quite an exciting time uh, with some changes that have gone on around the, around the club and around the local community.
0: Yeah, I'm really keen to talk to you about those, those uh, changes and the exciting times you're going through. But um, before we get on to that, can you tell us a bit about the history of Manly Swimming Club? Because I think it's, uh, it goes back quite a long time.
1: Yes, Manly Swimming Club was established back in 1905. So we're into our 113th season. I think that places us at probably maybe one of the, one of the oldest clubs in the state, if not the country. I'm not, I am not know that the Manly Ladies are also of a similar age, but I'm not sure about any other clubs throughout the state and the country. And the club has a very, very rich history. I mean, I'll throw names at you like John Devitt um, and also Andrew Boyd-Charlton, you know, to to go back into that golden era of swimming, uh, Frank O'Neill, all these guys uh, all, all competed and were members of the Manly Swimming Club. And then we go into sort of more recent history where we had the likes of Brooke Hansen, uh, we also had Elka Graham or Elka Whalen as she is known now, who all started their craft at Manly. So, you know, and that's just a, a snapshot uh, with things like that. And you go into other other style of swimmers and the likes of John Coory, who swam the English Channel. Um, you know, he was. He was also a, um, a member and is also life member of the, of the club. Um, so there's all those sorts of things. And I was actually speaking with John Devitt one day, and uh, he also told me that Sir Roden Cutler, who was a World War Two, um, yeah, World War Two veteran, and also I think the one of the longest serving um, governor. New South Wales Governors, I think it was, um, in he also was a member of the Swimming Club. Um, And I mean, most of us probably only, who know, the M7 and M4 junction there where it's got the, it says the Cutler Interchange, you just see it as a name. But I thought, oh, I better do some reading onto him. And he was quite an accomplished swimmer. Um, But he also, he got, um, I think, the Victoria Cross for bravery. In relation to, he was doing what he was doing in World War Two was trying to run a communications line, and he got he was shot, and he ended up losing his leg because of it. Um, but he laid there for 26 hours until he was rescued, and then was brought and then was brought back. So, you know, it's such an interesting history. Um, you know, for people that are high-profile swimmers, but not only you've got sort of high-profile people in the community that um, that have done things, and there's also uh, um, You know a book that John Devitt co-wrote in relation to Cecil Healy, who was a medalist in the Stockholm Olympic Games, and he is the only gold medalist uh, that was killed during the war. The only Olympic gold medalist. So all these, all these things, and these, these are the things that I've just learned over the years. And there's so much more history that you know, digging around, we could, we could probably find out. But it's just been really interesting listening to those types of people and the stories that they've got to say.
0: Wow, that's absolutely fascinating! hundred uh, and thirteenth season—that's just, that's just incredible. I yeah. think we could probably talk about this all day, but we better not. Um, <laughs> you've, you've talked about people. Just tell us a bit about facilities, because I guess um, I guess hundred and thirteen years ago, you didn't have a sort of fifty-meter uh, chlorinated um, Olympic uh, Olympic pool at your disposal.
1: No, that's true, and and the, the origins of of the club were at the Manly Baths, which uh, which were adjacent to the people that are familiar with the manly area adjacent to the manly skiff club which is a lovely place to go and have a meal and a drink um but that's where the manly baths were and you know that was where the where the club's origins were um there's some real there's, there's some excellent photos of uh, of boy charlton at that venue and packed grandstands watching him swim uh 1500 meters and i think he even might have so i I can't be 100% sure, but he may have even set world records in that pool. Um, so that's where the origins of it was. And then in 1974, there was a, a storm that, that hit the Manly area and, and the bars were, were partially destroyed at that time, along with a walkway that used to go along from where the Manly Aquarium is now across to Manly Wharf. Not that I remember it, because I was only a young, <laughs> young little fella, but that's the, they're the stories that I'm told. And they did rebuild the bars, but then in 1976, the Manly Pool, as it is now, um, opened, and the, the then the then council um, offered the, there was the three clubs being ourselves, the Manly Ladies, and also the Manly Diggers, uh, to to come and use the new the new facility, uh, and that the facility well that was then the outdoor facility, and you know we've been there every Saturday morning during the summer months ever since that time has opened. Uh, And then in recent times, we've seen the opening of the, of the new facility, which they built on the, on the site, which has given us now an eight lane indoor 25 meter pool. Um, There's a a, a very good gym there, spas, saunas. So all that uh, has come along um, in recent times. So it's now quite a nice, uh you know, well appointed facility that we've got at manly
0: now i'm my mind boggles at the thought of a massive crowd watching a fifteen hundred meter race um so it sounds like times in swimming have changed um but um but I guess that's an aside for, for another day. Yes. At the beginning, you told us that there's a lot of exciting changes going on in Manly currently. C- can you give us a bit of background to uh, you know, why things have, have reached to the stage where you are busy changing and, and plotting a new future?
1: Well, it's, you know, for, for us, it's about bringing Manly back into the, into the common... You know, People were, were actually unaware that we had a club, that the club even existed, um, which is a sign of, you know, some changes that happened uh, around ten years ago, where uh, there were some changes within swimming New South Wales, and you know Manly as was originally or and still is affiliated with the Warringah Amateur Swimming Association, which is mainly a group of rock pools, um, and that is Manly's heritage, obviously with the rock pool at the Manly Bars. So, but you know, we still had our foot in both camps, and then. There was, you know, an issue with swimming New South Wales, swimming Australia, where they did change some things. And at, at that point, the then committee decided that they would no longer affiliate with swimming New South Wales, along along with all the rock pools, or most of the rock pools in the area. Um, so that, to me, sort of, you know, stepped us away. And it more Manly was then more of a nursery, and we used to find that once the kids with any ability got to sort of nine, 10, 11 years old, they move on to the stronger clubs, such as your Carlisles, your Abbotsleys, your knoxes all those sort of, you know, those sort of clubs that are still reasonably local on the Northern side of Sydney. Um, and yeah, you know, at that stage, I'd only just come back to the club. Um, and I didn't really know a whole lot of, of why and when that happened. And then, yeah, you know, we got, we went through a, a time, because tradition or what's happened in traditionally i'm sort of going a bit off track but i'm getting back to that point but what happened traditionally was is that the, the, the council that their manly council when they asked all the three clubs to come to manly pool the agreement was that the clubs would pay entry but would be provided the lane space for free and this you know sort of went well for for 30 odd years. Um, And then the council sort of decided that, no, hang on, we need to charge you now for Lane Hire. You know, There was a a very public spat between us and council Um, and the former president, Chris Hatch, did a wonderful job trying to negotiate with council. And there was one season there where we did start our season very late and I was very scared we were gonna lose the club. But in the end, I said, look, I don't want this to happen on my watch um, while I'm affiliated with the club and we came to an agreement with council and we ended up paying lane hire and that I think has been a blessing in disguise for the club because what it has allowed is that there is now open communication between us, council and staff at the pool and over the last two years I've been working very closely with uh, with uh, Beck Goodman who is, she's the aquatics um, manager Aquatic Program Manager down at the pool. I've been working very closely with her in relation to getting a competitive squad and competitive swimmers competing for Manly at you know SMNE State and, and and beyond. So she's obviously been working in the background as well, and you know um, probably now close to four or five months ago. She rang me and informed me that she'd appointed or that Justin Rothwell had been appointed as a coach down at the pool. So my heart rate went up. I thought this is just going to be amazing for the club because what it's going to do is then bring elite swimmers using a great facility and they'll be competing for Manly. And I was so excited at Short Course Nationals when when we had two swimmers been Charlie Brown and Lauren Wilson competing at short course national, nationals under a manly cap. And I just thought, I just think that's absolutely amazing.
0: Now, did, sorry, Matt, before we progress too far, this is fantastic. For those that don't know Justin Rothwell, can you just give us sort of 20 seconds on who he is and his background?
1: Okay, so Justin Rothwell, he's been um, a, a head coach for, I think, uh, around 20 years. He um, was previously at Carlisle based at Narrabeen. Um, and I think he has coached at a couple of other clubs prior to that. I think Liverpool, he may have he may have coached at as well. But a very accomplished coach, um, and yeah, you know, he's been he's been wonderful. So he's been, he's really keen to come down and work work down there, and, and sees it as a as a new a new chapter in his his coaching career as well.
0: Now. Obviously, we're talking here about Manly, which is why we're having the conversation. Um, but, but I guess I'm I'm interested more generally in terms of lessons that others can can take from this, because uh, challenging relationships between swim clubs and councils, or swim clubs and centre managers, is is quite commonplace, unfortunately, uh, within our sector. And so often you see people get their noses out of joint and things go from bad to worse, and you know people move away and things just close down what's made the difference in your case? I mean, how have you actually managed to build a successful partnership from from actually quite a dire situation and, and move forward i mean although you you sort of talked to us through it quite casually as if it was easy i 'm sure it wasn't what what do you think were the secrets to success
1: yeah look it wasn't, and it was very um it was very, very dire at one point and, you know, at a lot of personal cost as well to, to you know, I, I had mentioned Chris Hatch before, but, you know, he, he devoted so much of his time to meeting with council and even to the then premier, it was our local member, Mike Baird. Um, and the council at that time was going through the amalgamation process as well. Um, and, and he devoted many hours of his time. Um, you know, I mean, I had a lot of phone calls with him where he actually even broke down because of the stress that he felt dealing with this, as well as having this old club, potentially not gonna be anymore. And there were some of our members and some of our life members um, who were really adamant that no, we should not be paying. We should not be paying. Uh, and that was their line and they were happy to, to stand to stand their ground in relation to that. I guess my my view was a, a little bit more passive um, and said, well, you know, let's let let's go down this path um, where we can where we will we'll pay it. We'll pay our user pays. We did negotiate a different uh, agreement to to others um, you know, and council eventually sort of saw the light a little bit, you know, because they were putting us in the same basket as schools and, and, and other community like entities. And we're saying, well, look, hang on a minute. We're we're a not-for-profit. You know, we every every cent we make is reinvested into the swimmers. Whereas schools, they have a budget and they've got state government backing. So why, you know, why is there that disconnect to what we're being charged to what to what they're being charged? So council eventually came to the party. We had some good councillors on board as well, which were very supportive of the club. Um, so we've we've formed relationships with that. And also previously, I did mention Bec Goodman, and she um, has been fantastic. She's so enthusiastic about the program, about making the program work, and also about working in with the club so that where there's mutual benefit. So the benefit is that she refers swimmers to the club, and then we in turn encourage our, our members to be involved in the program run at the pool. So it's 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 been a long time going and it you know to be honest it's happened a lot quicker than what I thought. Um, I my vision of what was going to happen is it would be a quite a slow process in that the council would more than likely appoint quite a green coach. Um, you know maybe a young coach who's trying to trying to you know get get his or her foot in the world and it would be a, grad, a gradual build so that our swimmers that we've got that are 8, 9 and 10 at the moment they're involved in the program at the pool would stay in the program and they would eventually filter through to the club and through, through the competing. But with Justin coming and then obviously his swimmers are very loyal to him or they're happy with him. They've followed him across to Manly. So what that has now made is that we now have, you know, almost instant state and, and national level swimmers. And what excites me the most is that now these swimmers um, you know our young really young swimmers can see these swimmers swim and go oh they've got a manly club on their cap rather than what i you know joke that i make around the pool when we have our club mornings on saturday mornings, is that they're not watching the fat old dad swim down the pool there's actually got some real, real swimmers there so you know it's um yeah it's sort of an in joke with, with a few of the few of the parents down there
0: very nice at the beginning of this call, you were talking about a lot of the uh, famous people that have been through Manly. So I'm guessing you you had quite a lot of community uh, views. You talked about some of the life members were quite adamant in their position. How were you able to use the local community to uh, encourage the council to, to make the decisions in your favour?
1: Well, we had, um, we did, and for me it was a last resort because I didn't want to go on a media campaign and bash the council for me it was a last resort and it this guy we're backed into a corner what else can we do so there was one day where i think i had a conversation with five olympians in one day so which you know i think that's pretty cool so you know i spoke i'd spoke to john devitt i spoke to debbie watson who was the captain of the australian water polo team that won the gold medal at the sydney uh, sydney olympics uh, i spoke to elka whalen I had um, spoke to Brooke Hanson. I um, think there was one more I spoke, oh, and um, and Melanie Dodd, who uh, she swam in, in uh, Athens and uh, Sydney two thousand as well. So I spoke to five, five, all five of them on one day, and they were all absolutely fantastic. Um, and they did what they could to encourage council. To, to see the light and see what 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 was going on. So uh, my, one of the my favourite thing was Brooke Hansen who she you know she now lives on the on the Gold Coast, uh, and she was said, look if there's going to be some sort of protest, I'll be on the first plane down and I'll be there on the front door. So that's that's the the level of of loyalty that they have that all of them have to to this club, uh, and that and what they're willing to do. Um, you know, there was a picture of Debbie Watson on the front of the Manly Daily you know, expressing her disappointment. So all these high-profile people were more than happy to come and help clubs that had supported them at some stage during their career or their children. So it was, it was just absolutely fantastic. And, you know, as I said, to have that conversation with those five people on one particular day was uh, was amazing. And, you know, John Devitt is, is a man with a whole lot of knowledge. Uh, and, you know, I could speak to him all day.
0: Now... I'm thinking about any advice that you would have to other clubs who have, uh, you know, relationship challenges with their with their governing bodies, be it in the council or the uh, the local facilities uh, operator. I doubt whether every club has got five Olympians that you can you can pick up the phone to, but but generally you've you, you've talked about lots of other tactics. Can you just share your thoughts about what advice you may have for others?
1: Uh, I think it's. Also, to try and
0: make a, a relationship with local councillors,
1: um, I think that's important because a lot of them, you know, they may have expertise in some areas, but they haven't been exposed to swimming per se. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was able to communicate with a few of a, a few of them. I was lucky because I got advice because one of the new councillors, he's a former president of the club, so that was an advantage that we had. But yeah, you know, he he was also very careful in taking a backward step because he didn't want to ruin any chance with the club due to a perceived possible conflict of interest. So he stepped back and he let a couple of the others sort of run with it. And they were really, you know, quite supportive in, you know, in getting us back on track, uh, but also helping us out. So I think the best bit of advice is that, you know, you don't want to be too aggressive. Um, You know, there's got to be, there's got to be a happy medium. Uh, and to try and and speak to those councils and get them on board and invite them down and show them what you actually do because that's the thing is a lot of these people they don't know what you what you actually do and what the club does for the for the community so that's probably the best bit of advice I can be give is just to try and get them on side um, you know and then generally you'll find management within the pool will eventually come on side as well. I mean, I've been very lucky that, as I said, with Beck Goodman before, she's been absolutely fantastic and very proactive. Uh, and she's been more on the club side in, in, you know, bordering on harassment almost of the management to get to get this over the line. So she's very, um, she's very tenacious in what she does. And I've been very lucky to have her on board. If I didn't have someone as keen as she was, I don't know if it would have been this transition would have been as successful as it was. So I've been blessed that I've formed relationships with people, but I've also had people that I've known in you know that have been willing to work uh, with the club to get the club up, but also in in turn they can see the benefit it is for one the community and also for the program that's being run down at the pool.
0: Very good. Well, thanks, Matt so as for the future then what uh, what's your plans and excitement what are you looking forward to in the future well i'm
1: looking forward to you know uh, i'm looking forward to nationals in april um i think that's going to be great because we're going to be sending quite a, a a solid team down to down to nationals in april and we've got four swimmers at open water uh i think that's in a fortnight's time so that that's just really exciting now i'm just you now you know, re-educating the committee a little bit because some of them haven't really been involved in the competitive side. So getting them all on board so that I don't have to do as much of the work that I've been doing <laughs> over the last little time. But you know, it's it's just I'm hoping now it's just exciting just to watch watch what happens. And I'm really excited about the young kids coming through. They're going to idolise you know some of the some of the older the older kids uh, so that they watch these kids swim and they stay in the program and they stay with Manly. Uh, you know, into their late teens and early 20s, rather than us losing them at, at, at sort of eight, nine, and 10. And that's what really excites me is, to, is that they're all training, they're all training down here, and that there's a thirst for
0: it locally. So you're basically saying you're aspiring to then become fat old dads, then, are you in uh, <laughs> 30 years' time?
1: Well, maybe. But that's the thing. You know, we create this now, and then they come back to the club as adults, and they bring their kite, their kids in. You know, and the cycle continues. And I mean, and that's the way the cycle has always been. You know, we, we as a club, we don't, we don't go out and advertise and and all that sort of stuff. It's it's all word of mouth. And you know, the the hub of everything is our handicap races that we have every Saturday morning during the summer months. You know, where it's a nice relaxed atmosphere. You know, the, the parents sit there and, and and talk, and the kids play and have a muck around. And but you know, they get to do a little bit of racing as well and it, you know it's it's a step away from the the competitive stuff that we always see and it's a, a bit of fun we have a laugh and it's you know it's really really gra- good great grassroots swimming uh, and that's 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 the crux of it
0: look joking aside i th- i think it's a really important point you make i've one thing i've seen in a lot of surf clubs on the no- northern beaches is you know through the nipper programs that you know there's lots of kids with their immediate parents involved uh, sort of in they sort of eight nines up to sort of 12, 13, 14, maybe a bit older. And like you talked about yourself, a bit of a hiatus as people go off and do other things and then they start drifting back as, as parents in late 20s, 30s, 40s. So it's uh, it's it's a full lifetime of community around a, a really good uh, institution like a, a swim club or a surf club.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's funny that a lot of the people that I swam with in, in, in the squads at Manly, uh, back in the 80s and 90s they've all come back so you know a couple of the people on the committee I've known since I was you know almost since I was in, in learn to swim so you know the, the, the cycle does work and you know there's so many people that come back to the club um, you know because they go you well know, that was I remember that being being fun when we were kids and we, we had a great time um, so I'm just hoping now that the kids stay longer and you know, we the, even you know we even had a couple of the older kids come down the other weekend and do do a couple of of the races and you know it was just great for the for the young ones to see to see them swim because obviously you know with with the likes of those elite swimmers that ain't they can't get to club or you know on a Saturday morning all the time because of you know all that period well before Christmas it was so busy with meets just about every weekend so you know there, there's things things like that but you know in saying that to try and keep that I, I did organise a meet. Back on the 18th of November, which is the first time it's been run, something like that's been run at Manly for a very long time, and the the success of that was was quite humbling. It actually exceeded any expectations I thought that would that would happen. With you know, we ran a twilight meet, and we had 220 swimmers there with in over a thousand individual entries, which just absolutely blew my mind. Um, you know, but then we get, you know, little quirky things that happened on that night. You know, when, when nightfall came, we've got ducks landing in the pool and we've got kids racing and the, and the ducks swimming up the pool in front of the kids. You know, quite, quite fun things like that, which you get in an outdoor pool where you don't necessarily get at home bush, but all or, or those, those indoor facilities. So, you know, that, was, that, that showed me that there's a thirst for this in the local community um but and beyond because there were there were 18 clubs represented at that meet which just it just absolutely blew my mind that, that 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 could happen and it happened at manly so it's sort of you know a big been a big learning curve for me as well
0: now before we let you go are you ready to move on to the quick fire round of questions Rightio. what's been the most useful piece of advice or equipment in your swimming career
1: oh, advice or equipment what about equipment that I didn't like? I remember my coach. He he, he used to give us these um, things called drag bags, which I would describe as a windsock. And they'd tie it to your waist, and you'd go swimming. And it, you know, you'd know if you were being lippy or something to the coach that you'd cop that um, you'd cop the drag bag for 200 metres butterfly or something like that. So maybe when the coach tells you to do something, you just do it rather than giving a, a smart aleck reply. Might be a good bit of advice
0: if you were to officiate at a state meet uh, the lucky door prize is a bottle of wine or a box of chocolates Wh- which would you take well it'd
1: have to be chocolate because i don't drink so that makes that question quite easy
0: what if anything would you do differently if you had your swimming career again
1: um i don't know i'm really happy with my with what, what i what i did in swimming i, I you know i I look back on it fondly, and it was quite quite enjoyable. So I don't know if I'd actually change change anything. I'm quite yeah, I'm really quite happy with with how everything how everything has gone. You know, I didn't didn't get to any great heights, but you know, I still enjoyed what I do and and enjoy putting back in.
0: That's great, and you're still very heavily involved. I think that's the yes. greatest proof of that. Yes. What's your 50 meter freestyle personal best time?
1: Uh, I did hop into the 26s. So, a point what? I don't know. But I know we remember it was 26 something.
0: And what is it today?
1: Uh, I, get, I did a 28
0: 2 on the weekend. Oh, very good. So very not, good. Not,
1: not, not, too, not too bad for an
0: old fella. <laughs> and what's been your most exciting swimming moment?
1: I think my most exciting swimming moment would be watching my daughter swim um, and watching her develop and watching her qualify you know she probably had her best season this season and she qualified uh for i think five individual events at state, which is something that she's really been driven to do and to see her actually do that was um was was the highlight for me
0: well matt Patterson, thank you ever so much for your time today uh, fascinating and wonderful to uh, for you to share your experience with us thank you great thanks ben Well, I don't know about you, but during that conversation, it made me think about the way that we, in our club, interact with the local community, and um, frankly, I don't think we've ever made contact with uh, some of our key key stakeholders, like the local MP or local councillors, and um, just learning from Matt, they didn't, sounds like they didn't really do it until they had their back against the wall, Uh, so it sounds like one of those important but not urgent things to do, so... Maybe that's something that uh, we should all be considering putting on our to-do list for our local clubs. I know um, councillors that I know uh, actually don't really like dealing with rates, rubbish and roads, (laughs) they say, is the key things they have to deal with most of the time. Uh, Swimming clubs are, climbing's a pretty healthy sport, it's a clean sport, it's associated with success and and councillors and politicians like being, involved and associated with things like that so probably a good opportunity to to reach out well that's it for this week thanks again for joining us for this first episode of 2019 Matt's uh, shared with me some lovely photos of some of the history of Manly and some really interesting stuff. So I think what I'll probably do is to post those on our Facebook page, which is uh, swim.rocks, so you can check them out there. And also, if you want to make a comment or give me some feedback, then you can do it there as well. Until next time, do please stay dry.